Every rancher in our area, there's two channels they watch. Usually, it's, right. if it's not on Fox News, they're on the Cowboy <laughs> Channel, vice versa. And they have 100 channels on their TV. They only watch two, trust me. Like in the 90s, Wayne Herman had McDonald's. Right, he was kind of McDonald's that. cowboy. That's, that, that's, like the lone, that's like the lone one that I can really remember standing out until Ty Murray came along with MGM. I used to think that was the coolest thing. Like, man, it's a cowboy sponsored by McDonald's. And, you know, obviously I was the Happy Meal type kid at the time. Chicken nuggets. Sorry for the ran- you know farmers, the beef and that, farmers. And that may have been all he got is free, free <laughs> McDonald's food, but that was a big deal in our day. Live from the NFR. Make sure you hit that subscribe button, catch up on all the old episodes, and check out the latest. You're going to like it. Welcome to the Luke Branquino Show. If you can hear my voice, which I thought it would be the most well-known voice in this building today, and I'll be wrong, come down to what row? Two, two, five, zeros. I'm Bullard. 2,500. Come down here and check out the Luke Branquino Show if you are in the convention center and hear my voice. If you're watching on the Cowboy Channel Plus app, Please go to my YouTube channel, like, and subscribe. I'm going to sell myself a little bit right here. If you do that, I have a chance to make some money, and I'm a retired bulldogger that is unemployed after today. Uh, But my guest today, I mentioned well-known voices here at the National Finals Rodeo. These two guys' voice, I know you're going to remember very well with your ears. Butch Knowles and Jeff Metters. Butch, four-time NFR qualifier, 87 NFR average champion, and one thing I want to talk about is how things have changed since then. Wow, that's uh, thank you, by the way, for having me, and thank everybody for being here. Uh, things have really changed. When you, you know, in our time, we thought it was the best it was, and it was. But it has come leaps and bounds since then, you know, just, just everything from um, how the national finals was here in Vegas then compared to now, the stock, the horses that these guys are competing on now are just tremendous. I've, I've watched some of the archives from, you know, the late 80s, the early 90s, and I'll be honest, the horses that I saw, they probably wouldn't even bring to the national finals now. It, it is that much better. The breeding programs these guys have put together, it's tremendous, Luke. Well, and something you have been a part of for a long time, and your co-host, I guess, Jeff Metters. Uh, Jeff, you've been hosting since 1991, the National Finals Rodeo. And for me as a kid, getting to hear your two voices together, and now getting to be on the broadcast and work with you, it's, it is an honor. And I know every fan here, when they hear your guys' voice, they know rodeo is about to happen. Well, you bring so much to it. You know, I, I was listening to, to you in Calgary. We did Calgary together, all of us, and... These two guys had to leave because they had to go to Colorado Springs and be inducted into the Pro Rodeo Hall of Fame. Uh, but I, I was listening to, you know, the, uh, we were taping some on-camera stuff, kind of the, the pre-on-camera stuff, and they were throwing stuff at you while you were talking. And I was like, man, that Luke is just a, he's just a solid television professional. You know, th- those, are, those, are, those are tough skills to pick up and master. And uh, obviously, you're an okay uh, uh, steer wrestler. Was that I, what? I've shorted you a couple world championships <laughs> here and there. And I, retired me. Yeah, and I've reti- I've reti- one time I retired him, I unretired him, and I also did his obituary, I think, <laughs> in about 24 hours. But, uh, uh, but yeah, you, we've had so much fun. Butch, Butch has, uh, did a couple more years than me, I think, 89. Uh, he started with Hadley Baird and, and Randy Corley, and then I came along in 91. And I know it's, a, I know it's an honor. I know it's a privilege to, to sit in that seat, and I, I try not to ever take it for granted. 
Well, and changes you've seen, and you've been really big in getting rodeo on TV, whether it was ESPN, CBS Sports, GAC, I believe, was, was something that you facilitated as well. But the changes you have seen, not only in the rodeo, but just television-wise. Yeah, it's been a, like every day my, my mission is to get up and grow the sport and make life better for, for rodeo cowboys. So when you're a retired steer wrestler, uh, you can go back to your mansion and your yacht, you know, for the most part. And, uh, uh, yeah, it's, it's been quite a journey. It's, you know, when, when Butch and I started doing it, it was the best job we ever had. We only televised three rounds of the NFR on ESPN in like 91, 92, and 93. And we would come in and sit in the PRCA suite and drink beer for seven rounds, basically. And uh, uh, then, then we'd, have to do, we'd have to do three shows uh, rounds eight, nine, and ten, and then somebody got the bright idea, let's televise all ten. But, you know, it's been so great to see the exposure grow, and, and uh, I know just the difference between 2019 and 2020 with the Cowboy Channel. If you had a, a patch on your shirt in 2019 and you made that deal prior to 2020, uh, you, you really overachieved in terms of what you delivered to your sponsors because it went from seven or eight shows on, on CBS Sports Network to millions of people seeing Rodeo Cowboys. Well, but you've, like I said, you've got to experience that with yourself, you know, rodeoing and sponsors. They weren't really sure somebody give you money here and there, but you never seen logos on the shirts. I mean, Larry Mahan may have been the only guy that was really reaping the benefits from sponsors. And that was, you know, way back when. But now you see all these contestants with logos on their shirts. And I could remember, you know, until television... <laughs> You, you're sitting in the arena. You don't know what's on that shirt, but now you can get up close, personal look at it. Yeah, that's a good point. In fact, really, in the uh, late 70s and through the 80s, you weren't allowed to even wear a patch on your shirt. You would get fined if you did, so you weren't allowed to have this sponsor program. And, you know, that's, that's how this is all developed. And, and you look at any sport that grows, the sponsors, you know, back it, and they, they carry it, and, and they allow you guys to go out and get sponsors. And what a great... What a great uh, way to bring your product in, in front of a rural world, if that's, the, if that's your market. You know, there's no better way to do it than the way we do it in rodeo. And, and thanks to the Cowboy Channel and Jeff and Patrick and all those guys that it, it now is continually on. You don't, well, I'm sure everybody in this building knows, every rancher in our area, there's two channels they watch. Usually, it's, right. if it's not on Fox News, they're on the Cowboy Channel, vice versa. And they have 100 channels on their TV. They only watch two, trust me. In this segment of Ask Luke, I have multiple questions that I'm going to be reading and then I will be answering. When did I get my PRCA card? Stay tuned and I will answer that question a little bit later on in the show. Like in the 90s, Wayne Herman had McDonald's. Right, he was kind of McDonald's that. cowboy. That's, that's, like the lone, that's like the lone one that I can really remember standing out until Ty Murray came along with MGM. I used to think that was the coolest thing. Like, man, a cowboy sponsored by McDonald's. And, you know, obviously I was the Happy Meal type kid at the time. Chicken nuggets. Sorry for the, you know, farmers, the beef and that, farmers. And that may have been all he got is free, free <laughs> McDonald's food. But that was a big deal in our day. Good enough. Yeah. So talk sponsors. And, I, and I'm not 100% sure if you were a part of the Winston tour. And, you know, we, there's some talk about Team Rodeo coming back uh, with the PBR there in Arlington during the PBR finals. But the Winston Tour was something that really could have elevated rodeos, and Cowboys kind of got in their own way on that, didn't they? They did. It happened. I actually wasn't uh, drafted on any of the teams, so while those were going on, I was trying to make the national finals kind of on the back channel because I didn't have the Winston Tour rodeos to go to to count. And what they did in those days, if you were on the Winston Tour 
if there was a tour rodeo going on, you weren't allowed to go compete at those other rodeos on that weekend. So they were trying to keep it fair all the way across the board. But yeah, the Winston tour was an idea. I think that just came before it's time, before it's time. was the deal. And, and it was a great vision. It was just before it's time. And I think um, there's been a lot of things that have carried it in this direction now that you see in rodeo. And I, I like the concept. I really like that concept. But I also like the traditional right. Salinas, Cheyenne, Reno, big rodeos with big short goes. And, you know, you see all, you know, the number one guy in the world competing against the rookie of the year, you know, in the short goes. And so, you know, I think rodeo is a unique sport. And it has a, each rodeo has an individual spot. Well, and I feel like there's potential for that to coexist. You know, if you get a rodeo, and I use Red Bluff for an example, because they have just enough perfs where maybe you take a first perf or add a perf, have your two, team to a rodeo, and then you finish your rodeo out with a short round on Sunday. I feel like it, there's potential for it to coexist. And if you could add the television, which Jeff, you know as well as anybody, if you could add that television aspect to it, the sponsors will come to you. I'm all about the majors, you know, and, and whether it's a team, uh, a team setup or whatever, or what. I love golf, you know, but I mean, there's a good chance on a Sunday or Saturday afternoon, I'm not going to watch the John Deere Classic, but I'm going to watch the Masters, you know, and I, I really like the the mindset of, of, of taking the Calgarys, the Fort Worths, the Cheyennes, uh, the the Ellensburgs, the Pendletons, and really elevating them to a higher level because as a fan, I want to see Luke Branquino. I, I want to see Stetson Wright. I, I'm, you know, I, I don't necessarily want to see guys that are are trying to make a name for themselves. I, I like those events, whether it's in a team setup or it's it's something else, where I get to see the creme de la creme get on the best stock and, and go at it. That's what I think uh, you really need to, to advance and move the sport forward. Well, and I think golf's a great model for that. I mean, they have their qualifying rounds to get into those situations. The problem we have with rodeo, which you know as well as anybody, uh, Cowboys are a little more stubborn on that aspect. They feel like if they pay their $500 fee uh, membership, they should be able to go everywhere, uh, which, yeah, I mean, you kind of see that, but at the same time, if we want to elevate the sport, have a qualifying system to get into those situations. Well, I think that's the, that's the, that's the important part of it. I think the, a way for those guys to get into those situations is what everybody really is looking towards, you know, and, and, uh, you don't want to lock those young guys out. When you look at guys like the five bareback riders that are here, for right. example, Cade Sonnier, it's got the bucking horse of the year tonight. You know, that's a great matchup, and it's a great story in itself. And, and so you don't, want to get, you don't want to get that door too tightly shut on those guys to where they really don't feel like they have a chance to get up into those playoffs as well. And, and, uh, I think if, and that's the tricky part. If you can get it set up to where, you know, you move guys in and out, if they, if they get up there and don't do very well, they fall out. Young guys or new guys move in. I see a real potential for that, absolutely. Well, but, so, hey, you know, like I, I've, I've hosted some golf on ESPN. It was like LPGA, and, like, they're trying to – when they would set up their television window, they wanted it to be fair. So you would wind up with a television window with players that you really hadn't heard of. Who cares, you know? I mean, you know, I, I felt like that was a bad philosophy down that line. If you had the, the Michelle Wees and the Lydia Coes and those kind of players – when you watch how they set up the PGA, if Tiger Woods is playing, he's in the television window. It was one way or the other. And I, I, think, I, I, I think the Keenan Hayes and the Kate Sonnier's, those guys are going to rise to the top. But uh, I just feel like you got to really come up with events that are built for the biggest names in the sport. In this segment of Ask Luke, 
when did I get my PRCA card? So my permit was in 1999 and it takes $1,000 to fill your permit so you can buy your PRCA card. I did that early in 99, but I held on to my permit because I wanted to take a run at the rookie of the year in 2000. So simple answer is I bought my PRCA card in 2000, which is 23 years ago. Damn. Well, it's similar to, I guess, the PBR model. They have, you know, now with the teams, but they have the UTB, which has been going on for 20 plus years. They, um, you know, you have your you have your set tour, and then if you're at the bottom, you fall out, and those kids in the challenger, I say kids, but whoever in the challengers get to work their way up. I don't know if rodeo could adapt that well to it, but I think something along those lines, and like you said, Jeff, you get those majors, and those guys have a chance to get in. Maybe that's something that we could look at, but rodeo cowboys are pretty stubborn, so try to get everybody on the same page. It's been hard, and we've been I've been a part of that, and at a young age, I'm like, no, we just want a rodeo. I don't care about anything else, and the older I got, how do we make the sport better? That's the tough part. And the tournament format's helped. You know, the, you're, you're, you're coming to Fort Worth or what, San Antonio or Houston, and you may see some of those younger guys, but you're still, you're still getting to see the marquee names. Yeah, and it's such a revolving door, I mean, especially in the rough stock, um, bareback riding more so, but, uh, you know, there's young kids come in, and then pretty soon they're out because it's, it's a pretty tough sport. Yeah, it is. It's physical, and, you know, the cream, the cream rises to the top, you know. doesn't matter really. All the concepts, and Jeff's right. You want to see, I want to see all the top guys. I want to see, you know, the the number one bareback rider in the world all the way down. It's great to see that. And they usually, at a, you know, they, they're not good because they're not good. They usually are good because they're the greatest guys out there. And they nine times out of ten, they will be in the short goes at Fort Worth, or they will be in the short go at Reno, and and uh, that that I like. I really think that's so good. Just make sure that we make sure we keep that that flow of guys moving in there that are gonna they're gonna be the next part of the they're gonna be the next phase of this sport. You know, you look at the bareback riding right now, you're seeing kind of a change in the guard. You're seeing these young guys like Kate Sonier and them come in here. They're gonna be the dominating guys now for the next decade, probably in the bareback riding. Well, especially now you've seen Casey Fields, you know, announce his retirement and one of the greatest, if not the greatest, bareback rider. I know in my generation, my era, and again, you see the young kids, even the impact he's had on the Utah Cowboys, you know, uh, with seeing those guys come up has been, it's been very impressive. And one thing about the bareback riding, when you look on the membership, it's always the, the small little check on the pie chart, but it seems like it's starting to get a little bit bigger. And I think it has a lot to do with the Casey Fields that have helped motivate these guys and helped them how to ride right and keep their bodies in shape. Well, you look at, uh, look at the bronc riding, for example, and all the Canadians, the influx of Canadians that have come on. And when you go up to Canada and you watch the bronc riding now, you see a lot of young kids take on bronc riding because that seems to be the trend or the, the, the one event in rodeo that they all want to do. You see what Rocker Stein has probably done for the young bareback riders in high school, you know. I mean, he's fun to watch. He's flamboyant. And all those kids, you know, we may see a lot longer hair coming for a while. And that's okay, too. I mean, that's just part of it. it it's, it's the fun part of it all. We well, grow our hair out. Yeah. Yeah. Sure, yeah. Some of it. Some of it. Some just of it. The, yeah. just yeah. the back part of In it. the back. Mine's still pretty good on tops for now. but uh, I think I can do a mullet. Think so? I think I pull the mullet off, I think. I think that's what all the kids are wanting to do nowadays, <laughs> that Joe Dirt type look. But even in the, in the timed events we're seeing, how about the young kids in the tie-down roping? 
how impressive they are. Riley Webb, at a young age, you know, he probably could have been here before he was 18. How much money he won at the WCRAs that helped set him up to get the horsepower he needs to be where he's at now? Well, and Riley Webb's a good example of kind of the point I'm trying to make. You, you certainly would want Riley Webb in whatever you try to create as far as that, that group. And, you know, Riley Webb, we've been waiting for Riley Webb since he was 15 years right. old. I'd heard about Riley Webb, you know. It just took him to for three more years to get to 18 so he could go get his card. And there's a whole, you know, Shad Mayfield, that right. whole Kincaid Henry, that whole group of young tie-down talent, are, they're the future of tie-down right now. He wrote for a million dollars before he was 18. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Had one run for a million and almost pulled it off. And that's what we talk about, the opportunity rodeo is giving right now to these athletes and these young cowboys. Had Joe Beaver and John Dowshawn. There are so many jackpots that these young calf ropers can go to nowadays where they can go win 5000 in a weekend. Well, shoot, I can remember as a 15 to 18-year-old, if I can go win 500 at a jackpot, I was tickled. But these guys are having the opportunity to go put money in the bank so they're ready when their rookie year comes, they're ready to go. Yeah, they're definitely not rookies when they get to their rookie season, are they? they, they they've lived and breathed it in that practice span and then all, all those events, like you say, so... You know, we call them rookies, but, but this isn't new to them. Winning's not new to them, just like Keenan Hayes in the bareback riding. And, you know, he's had such a dominating year. It's his rookie season, but that boy, he knew how to ride bareback horses before this year. Uh, trust me, this wasn't a fluke year. Right. May have surprised us. It didn't surprise him. Rodeo trivia question. In a lot of the episodes, we talk about the perf. Uh, what does that mean? To hear the answer, you're going to have to stay tuned. Keep watching the show because I will answer it a little bit later. Well, he hasn't just watching. I get being down there on the main floor. He hasn't faltered one time this week. Oh, I agree. So I impressive. Agree. And and then we talk about the youth at the junior NFR right here. You know, not far from us, Jeff. How how have you seen with the coverage of that? These young kids. Not only we talk about interviews and learning how to speak in, on the camera. That's been huge for these kids just to learn how to communicate to an interviewer or speak in front of the camera, which only helps elevate the sport. Yeah, it does. I, I, I've been involved with National High School Rodeo Association since uh, oh, 2011, 2010, somewhere in there. And, hey, I'm always blown away. You, you've experienced it, you're probably experiencing it now, how, how the family is the backbone, you know, of that, the youth, youth rodeo side of it. And they travel together and builds character. It teaches them responsibility. They take care of horses. And uh, there's so many positive things that come out of it that you don't even really see on the on the rodeo side of it. But, yeah, I think... The media exposure helps these kids and, and handling media, and they're, like you're talking about, they're, they're ready for prime time a, a couple of years before, you know, they, they even are old enough to, to get their card. When I started back in the, you know, 2011, 12, looking at bareback riding at high school rodeo, I'd be like, whoa, there's, the future does not look very good here. There's, right. you know, there, there's not a lot happening here. And I don't know if they, they're teaching them on steers now, too. So they're, they're starting them younger and teaching them the technique and, I've never seen a rookie bareback class like like the one that we saw in 2023. Well, and I, I think a lot of that, and I feel like I've got to see from the start when it started to now, just the way people take care of their bodies and the way they stay in shape. And I, sorry, Larry Samvik, I throw you under the bus a lot, but I mean, you can remember the bareback ride. Larry Samvik was a prime example of what they don't do nowadays. You know, and then you have Casey Field, Richie Champion. I mean, these guys are athletes. They train almost as much as MMA fighters. In fact, I would put my money up a lot of, against a lot of these bareback riders, just the way they train, because every time they get on, it is like being in a car wreck. 
Yeah, go hang around Mason Clements. Right. He's a good example. I'll give you one example of it. One year I decided we were all took off to the winter rodeos, and I thought, I am not going down there and lay around a motel room, you know, because you'd be up on a Monday. You may not be up again until Thursday or Friday, and, you know, what do you do? So I thought, I am going to make myself work out every day and run, and so I took off and I ran for two or three days. I got shin splints so bad I could barely walk, so... I thought, you know what? This exercise is way overrated. That was the end of that. And uh, so, so that's shin, as far as it got in my career. Chin splints were shin the demise is of all it told me it was not. Yeah, it wasn't worth it. Well, I, I would bet Larry Sandvik had more fun than these other guys. No, that's true. That's true. And yeah, I, that tough Hedeman mentality. You just stay ready to keep from having to get ready. So. That, that's that's old Larry. Uh, and I, like I said, I've got to experience from the start to, fin- to now. Um, when I started, it was we'd show up to the rodeo, we'd go to the bar, Maybe go watch the slack, go watch the perfect. That was just the way it was. Now these get these athletes, because they're not, I mean, they're, that's what they are. They're eating better. They're going to the gym. I got to rodeo with Jacob Talley, and it was every day, two hours a day at the gym. Now, I'd be on the pedal bike for about an hour and a half of that, maybe do a sit-up or two, but that's how they prepare, and that's just the steer wrestling. I'm not sure team ropers do the same way. I'm not going to throw them under the bus, but I don't see you guys at the gym, so I'm sorry. Uh, but dang sure, you know, it's neat to be able to see how it's um, evolved into more of a sport. Well, you know, I use Jesse Brown for an example because Jesse, you know, went and played quarterback at Washington State, and and that's almost like boot camp. They, you know, those guys, they're up at 5 a.m., and they're in that weight room, and it's an all-day deal, and, I mean, it is it is strenuous to be at that level in college and playing ball and that commitment of staying fit. And he just brought it right over to the rodeo world. Yeah. When he came over, he didn't he didn't know how to bulldog. He didn't know how to do anything until he, after his junior year in college, and he decided he wanted to go to Bozeman and, and learn to steer wrestle. That's how it all happened. But he, to this day, that gymnasium is where he 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 makes it all happen. So I'm and, the and, if, and the other side of it, if you're if you're against him and you and you were, if you're not doing it and he is. You're giving up a little ground, and exactly. so if they're doing it, you better be doing it. I'm more of the Curtis Casty sign up kind of thing. I just <laughs> yeah. kind of uh, we'll yeah. get there when we get there. Everything's uh, going to be fine. Oh, I had nightmares with Curtis Casty. We, <laughs> Jason Miller and I, would pull up here two and a half hours before the rodeo started, and we'd get Willie all ready to go, and Curtis would be strolling in about grand entry times. Like, why are you guys in such a big hurry? I'm like, well, the rodeo it's the national finals, so. Yes, Curtis Cassie would drive me up a wall when we rodeoed with him. He just so calm and collected. He'd go win first and show up five minutes before. That wasn't how I worked. Wouldn't it be great to live life like that, though? I mean, oh. he absolutely just, nothing nothing bothers nothing. him. Nothing. Even, even when I teased him about his hazing being in third place a couple times this week, it didn't really bug him too much. Not much. Not uh, much. You brought up Jesse Brown. The Oregon Cowboys have showed up full force. And in my opinion, the gold buckle should go to Oregon this year. Whether it's Dalton Massey or Jesse Brown, uh, my math, which I had to take my shoes off and my socks to do some figuring, but if Jesse Brown wins second in the go-round and Dalton does not place, I believe that buckle goes to Jesse Brown. Yeah, I think it's. I think Jesse's kind of got the edge a little bit, um, but not much. Not That's much. That's the thing about it. It's there's a scenario in there where three or four of those guys, if anything falls in one direction or the other, the wrong steer, the wrong way. Um, it's going to be a one-header, and, and that's pretty cool. You know, Jesse and Dalton are great friends. They, they travel together. They practice together. And now it's come down to one steer to determine maybe one of them leaving here with a world title. It's, uh, 
That's the way you play it out. And when you're practicing, you kind of do that anyway, don't you? Mentally, oh, I mean. Exactly. It's like you run a steer. This is the 10th round at the NFR, you know, or whatever. You create these scenarios to make you practice right, and it shows up because both those guys are so committed. Well, and, and that's how we did it when we were getting steers ready at the house for the finals. You know, you'd have six guys that made the national finals. Now, it necessarily wasn't me against those guys, but when they went and made a good run, I damn sure tried to outdo them. But I had to go do my job on that steer, and that, it's a cool story for those two that are so tight, so close, rodeo together, practice together. You know, before the finals, they were down at Dakota Eldridge's or at Stan Braco's getting this pin of steers that they're running tonight ready together. And, I mean, that, that to me is a great story. Yeah, it is. And, you know, you throw Sid Britt's name in the mix of it, too, because Dalton Massey, that's Sid Britt's grandson. And, and you, you've been in Sid Britt's arena up there, yeah. Bulldog. And Sid Britt was a great cowboy through the 70s and early 80s. Steer wrestled, rode bareback horses, mostly in the amateurs, but he was just dominating. But his big gift was he would, he would bring guys over there to the arena and they would Bulldog. But Sid was a winner. And he, yeah. if you were around him, he, and he would do all these different scenarios. And I said, okay, boys, you know, here's everybody throw in a dollar. And there'd be the Kern boys and Blake and Trevor and, you know, a whole bunch of guys there steer wrestling. Throw in a dollar and, you know, whoever wins this round gets the money, you know. And they'd, or there'd be a steer, no, you know, just they hate it. And he goes, Trevor, I'll bet you a dollar you can throw that one down, you know, faster than any of those other guys. Well, that just pumped Trevor Knowles up, right. you know. Right. And he would just pancake him out there. But he would just push these kids, you know. Sean Greenfield, another one that came through that arena and learned from him, almost won a world title. He, the man... The man created winners, and he, right. he made him want to win. And, you know, so I'm so tickled to see his grandson in his spot to win a world title. Jeff, in all your years of media coverage, you have seen races similar to what we're seeing with Dalton. And um, You've been in there a couple times. Well, yeah, but yeah. I mean, but with friends, like Ty Murray uh, with his buddies or, or Tough Hedeman. I know you, to be able to see that, you know, in the steer wrestling, even in the tie-down rope, and Cody and Fred, I mean, these are, these are battles between – buddies that you've got to experience and call I, I love those great rivalries you know Cody and Fred ranks way up there I, I think you know if you didn't if Cody didn't have Fred or Fred didn't have Cody I'm not sure they would have had the success that, that they had uh, those guys were dominated they went 11 out of 12 years they were just uh, you know just back and forth it was a it was a heavyweight title fight and I think it was kind of probably a little bit of love hate in there too right. you know at, at times and I think those kind of rivalries that make rodeo so so much fun uh, you're, you know, you're starting to see some now, you know, with, with uh, the rights and uh, with Stetson Wright and what he does in, in two events and, uh, you know, the rivalry between the rights, the Canadians and, you know, and, and things like that. So those great rivalries, I think, make it so much more fun to watch. And, uh, uh, you know, we've we've seen empires rise and fall. Uh, we're sad to see, you know, Casey Field retire. He had a pretty good rivalry with Tim O'Connell. Right. Uh, you know, you had you had, you had Tilden and. And Casey, and you had uh, Jess Pope, and you had Tim O'Connell, and uh, I don't, I don't think without a doubt, I, uh, Jess Pope over the last four years, I, I, you're hard pressed to find a better bareback rider than, than Jess. We're talking about him. He's he's going on what 39 straight rides at the national wow. finals rodeo where he has not had a bobble. That's pretty amazing stuff. Well, and I listen, getting to listen to you talk about the bareback riding and watching, and I've learned a lot just being with my earbuds and listening to you, but you're right. That guy is flawless. Yeah, he really is. And, and, and I don't know why. I mean, when you look at him, you think, what makes him different? And, and there's not a lot of difference in all the 15 guys, but when, when Jess, I, I compare Jess and 
probably Zeke Thurston right now in the Bronchitis. They just, they're not making any mistakes, and that, they, they never beat themselves. When you look at Jess Pope, really doesn't matter what kind of horses he has. You know, you can run some really tough ones under him. You can run some nice ones under him. He wins on all kinds of horses. He's strong. He's real physical. Technically, he does everything perfect. Real strong on his mark out, and that really, in my opinion, is the most important thing that sets a great ride up. And then, so he's never behind. He's never chasing a horse around for eight seconds. Right. He's in control. He takes control of the ride immediately when he leaves the shoe. Well, Jeff, I know you're a busy guy and you got places to go. Um, I appreciate you coming on the show, but you do have something that you would like to announce. Uh, yeah, I, uh, December 31st, my last day at the Cowboy Channel. Uh, I'll be uh, moving on and doing some other different things. There's some other projects that I'm kind of hoping to, to tackle. And uh, at this stage of my career, so grateful to, to be a part of the first four years of the Cowboy Channel. Hopefully we'll have a presence there uh, as we move forward in some form or fashion. Not sure what that's going to be, but... Uh, yeah, 2024 will be kind of a year of change for me as I kind of get back to, uh, you know, pursuing some of the things that I really want to do. Well, I know as a former competitor and um, somebody that has worked with you, it's been an absolute honor for me. Butch, same, I'm sure, for oh, you. Oh, absolutely, um, yeah. But these yeah. fans, these viewers, I know they really appreciate what you've brought to the sport, to the Cowboy Channel, and uh, we're, we're looking forward to what you got coming up next, and best of luck to you. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, uh, I'll still be around. Oh, oh man, he's going to be around <laughs> still? I thought you were still, gone. No, still just in some <laughs> form or fashion, but now i gotta, I got to move from two Hall of Famers to another, and i got to go over and talk to Trevor Brazil a little bit at, at Ariat over there. So. I never heard of her. <laughs> she was pretty good. I was actually, yeah, I heard she was pretty good. I was actually, he was supposed to, she, he, Travis Brazil was supposed to be on my show like 17 times and he kept flaking. You only flaked on me once. One so. time last year and I'm so sorry. So I made up for today, which was the last one here today. So I yeah. got here though. He, he so. did say that I'm going to make sure Butch Knowles is on the stage with you. So, oh, yeah. well, but, th but thanks for having me on. You bet. Appreciate I'm leaving you in good hands. Two yes. hall of famers. <laughs> Well, thank you again, Jeff. So, Butch, he mentioned Hall of Fame, and, and I know when I got the call, I was um, speechless, I guess I could say, and, and emotional. And for me, it was, I didn't know I wanted to be done, and that was like the final nail that's like, you're done. Uh, how, how was your feelings when you got that call? Oh, it was, it was amazing. You know, I, uh, I, I'm kind of a prankster. I, I play a lot of practical jokes on guys, so... I'm always scared to buy into anything right off the bat. So when I got the call, I actually, uh, at first I thought, somebody, this isn't real. You know, somebody, somebody's, somehow they're going to call back and go, eh, we're just kidding. So I didn't totally buy it in for a bit. But uh, once I realized it was the real call, uh, it was crazy, really. Because, you know, I got in in a way different way than you did. I don't have five world titles. And... I really didn't get on from what I accomplished so much in the rodeo arena, although maybe that played a part in everything that I've done since. I got in kind of through my whole career and what what I put together along with from rodeo to television to to you know producing rodeos and stuff like that. So so it it's a huge honor. It really is because not many guys get to do that. Well, and I know for me, and, and like I said at the beginning of the show, your voice, when they hear it, they know it's rodeo time. And, and I think that obviously played a big part in it, what you have done for the sport. And as a rough stock rider, and the knowledge you have in all the events, I think is key for, for me to know, hey, 
that's what I love about Butch Knowles is he knows what he's talking about. It's not just some BS. And every fan here understands that and is appreciative of it. And I think, again, you have Blake made the national finals. You, you've been around time events. You've competed in time events your whole life. So having that knowledge was dang sure helpful. Well, it was. You know, when I was in high school and college, I competed in every event and, uh, and liked every event. I loved roping calves, and I loved a team rope, and really enjoyed steer wrestling. And steer wrestling was as, as close to being a riding event as I think you could make it as far as the adrenaline if you made a really good run. And so I really did like that. And when I, when I got done with college, I rode bareback horses and bulls and Bronx good enough to go to the PRCA and, and win, you know. And I... To, to win in the time events, you got to spend endless hours in the, in the practice arena to, to compete at that level. And so I just took off. I wanted to go rodeo, and that's really all I thought about is just going to those big rodeos and competing. So I worked three riding events for a long time and then dropped the bull riding and or dropped the bareback riding first and then dropped the bull riding along the way and finished riding Bronx. But um, just all everything that I was lucky enough, everything that I did along the way prepared me you know, to do what I do now. I, I got a chance to do judging seminars and work with Jack Hannum and sit right beside him in those seminars and spend hours with him just talking about all the different things and the, how you, because uh, he was a teacher before he was ever a, uh, a rodeo guy. So, so he, knew how to, he knew how to present topics and, and how to not make them boring, but yet get the points across. And so I learned so much from Jack that helped me in this. And then my first job was with Red Steagle, and I'd watch him, and and then to sit by Jeff Matters, and trust me, Jeff Matters, they will ne- they'll never be a better guy than Jeff Matters. Talk about rodeo, he is so good, and when you hear him and watch him, he's just so talented behind the scenes. You watch him on television, what he does, you know, on top of, you know, he's in charge of the Cowboy Channel and everything that goes on. Plus, he gets in there every night and and helps you and I look good it's it's tremendous dang sure helps me look good I know uh um just again being around you guys has helped me grow but how did you get started with with the television broadcasts well it's kind of a crazy it was a crazy trip I was doing judging seminars with Jack Hannum and uh well two things happened actually Tim Corfield was my college rodeo coach he was a rodeo coach at Walla Walla when I was in high school my the end of my junior year, I got a call from Tim, and he said, I want you to come to Walla Walla to college. I'm the coach up here, and I want you to come to Walla Walla. And there were some guys. He was just a young coach just starting a rodeo team, and Sam Kaiser and those guys were ahead of me. And so I said, so then I rodeoed the next year, and I, I won the all-around, the National High School all-around title that year. Well, then my phone blew up, and I could have went to Cal Poly, or I could have went to Blue Mountain, or I could have went to, you know, all the big colleges but it really meant something to me that Tim Corfield had stepped out there way before I ever, you know, maybe proved myself a little bit, Luke. And so I thought, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to commit to him. So I went and rodeoed for Tim. Well, Tim went on to be the college rodeo uh, CEO or, you know, the Tom Glouse right, of college yeah, rodeo. Yeah. And they were looking for an analyst at the college national finals for the television. And Tim recommended my name so they called me up and said do you want to give it a try so I went up there and that was the first time I ever did TV and I worked with Red Stiegel well then fast forward I started doing judging seminars with Jack Hannum and we were doing seminars around the country and we were doing a seminar in Colorado and I did got up and did my presentation of you know everything you see in a good ride and break it down and and good rides versus bad rides and why this was 80 and why this was 60 and 
when it was all said and done, there was a guy by the name of John Bumgardner was there, and he was a, you know, part-time rodeo announcer, and he also produced the television at the NFR. And he goes, hey, he goes, would you be interested in uh, coming to Pocatello and be the analyst during the bronc riding at the DNCFR? Ram, the Ram. The Ram, yeah. yeah, when it was there. And I said, sure, I'll, I'd, I'd give it a try, you know. So I went over there. When I got there, he said, you know what, just do the whole thing. And I was with Randy Corley. And so we sat down, and I did the whole thing, and he hired me for the NFR, and that was, I've been here ever since. That's it just, the door, it was just by pure luck, to be honest, the door opened, and, and uh, I stumbled through it. Well, and I mean, I guess not the same path, but like for me, when I was sponsored by the Army, we had to go through media training, learn how to talk in front of the camera, learn how to do interviews, and that was, that was really a turning point for me. And then the success I had, having the camera in your face the whole time, really, I think, helped me get to the position I'm in now, um, a couple years getting injured and not being able to qualify for, or compete at the finals, getting the call from Jeff or, you know, whoever, hey, you want to come do TV? I was, uh, I was scared to death when I first had to do it. But, you know, just when the opportunity came knocking, I took advantage of it. And fortunately, now I'm able to do what I'm doing now. You know, I got one kind of funny story. The first year that I knew I was coming down to the UNFR, I was working with Hadley Barrett and Randy Corley. And so I was hunting elk up in Oregon late November, and I'd made a hunt, and I'm walking down the road, my gun over my shoulder in the snow, you know, and it was cold, and I'm walking about three or four miles to get out of that country, and so I'm talking like I'm talking to, I'm practicing. So I'm talking like I'm talking to Randy and Hadley. So I would walk along, and I'd look over my shoulder and go, yeah, thank you, Randy, you know, that, uh, that was a good ride, you know. And then I'd, I'd walk a little further, I'd look over my other shoulder, you know, yeah, Hadley, you know, this is going to be great. You know, Ty Murray, they, and I'd go through this scenario, and I'm just, well, I look up, and there's this kid about 12 years old, <laughs> and he is sitting on a stump. He'd been sitting there and watching me walk up the road talking to my friends that were nowhere around me. <laughs> I think I scared the heck out of him. He was, he, and I looked at him, I go, good morning. And he, he just kind of nodded. He had a stocking cap on. His eyes were this big around, and I, Randy and I and Hadley just walked right by him. That's, that is a great story. Uh, it was pretty funny. But another great story you told me is uh, before, you know, we have all the security and airlines and everything now, you flew, you were supposed to fly to Tulsa. I was headed to Tulsa. But You're you right. ended up in JFK? New York City, yeah. I, uh, yeah, it was before 9-11. And I'd bailed hay that morning, and I, I had it down to work, because I was going to Tulsa all the time, doing, a, doing rodeos, voice and rodeos. So I would... I bailed hay till I just could barely get to the airport, and then I could get there, and they knew me, and I would run in the airport and get on my airplane and fly off, you know, which I did. So I got to Salt Lake, and man, I was hungry. I hadn't eaten anything, and so I got off, and I got me a sandwich and bought me a good book, and I'm going down to get on the plane, and I, it's already bored, and it's, I thought, well, this is great. I'll just get on, and so I go to get on. I've got my cowboy hat on and everything because Jeff and I, we were voicing a rodeo and then we were flying to Calgary to do the stampede. Then that, that night we had to fly out. So I, I get on the plane and I go to sit down and this girl's sitting in my seat. What do you know? And I go, excuse me, that's my seat. And she goes, no, no, it's my seat. So I'm digging for my ticket to compare. And the stewardess goes, oh, it's an open flight. Just grab a seat anywhere. <laughs> Red flag number one. Right. So I sat down, and I sat down by a guy that he was dressed all in black, and he had a little skull cap on, you know, maybe Jewish or something. But 
that's not a typical Tulsa-looking person. Right. And I thought, well, that's kind of odd. And I sat down there, and then they go, the movie, there's a movie on the plane, and you know, and I'm thinking, wow, this is great. They never show a movie on a plane between here and Tulsa. So I'm thinking things are great. So I just start eating my, you know, and reading my book. When I read, I don't hear. I just go oblivious to what's going around. So we take off. We're going. And uh, we go for quite a while, and they don't start the movie, and I'm getting worried about that movie. And I go, they they better start this movie. We're not going to see the end of it because it doesn't take that long to get Tulsa, you know. (laughs) Finally, the pilot comes on and goes, welcome aboard, ladies and gentlemen. You know, the weather in New York City is blah, blah, blah. And I thought, oh, my God. (laughs) So I ring my call button, and the stewardess that actually was the one that looked at my ticket when I got on the airplane, and I don't know if she just saw my cowboy hat and thought, I wonder why he's going to New York City, you know, because I didn't look very New (laughs) York-y. I go, when we get to New York, I go, what time do we get back to Tulsa? And I gave her my ticket, and she just looked at it, and she goes, oh, shit. And she just <laughs> took, off running to, took off running up to the pilot's cabin. And apparently, me being dumb wasn't as bad as them letting me be dumb. Right, because right. they, boy, it was whatever I wanted. And so back in those days, this story gets even crazier. The movie, by the way, was Lost in Space. Do you remember that movie? Oh, it was one where you ended up. It would fit just with the deal. So they had an <clears throat> official airline guide, they call them. It was a f- book that was about this thick, like a phone book. And if you knew how to read it, you could figure out flights between every city that you needed to go, and you could put flights together, even cowboys. Oh, really? And there was one on the plane. So I took it, and I got to look at it, because I needed to get back to Tulsa the, as quick as I could. <clears throat> well, they booked me a flight that left at 1 o'clock, and I go, that won't work. I go, I see there's a flight from LaGuardia, or uh, Newark. I went to LaGuardia. I go, there's a flight from Newark that would get me back from Newark to Tulsa. It left at 5 a.m. It would get me there in time to voice the show. And I go, can I get, can I get on that flight? And she goes, yeah, we can get you on that flight, but Newark, you know, it's way over. And I'm at the counter now. Well, there was a guy standing beside me. He's buying tickets for his kids and him to go to Disney World. And he was also a guy that in, in New York, he was he was a driver. He owned a, it. Was almost it wasn't a cab driver. Like you could you could hire him. And he'd be your driver and you like a take, chauffeur. Like kind of like a chauffeur. And he goes, "Oh heck, this time of night." Because by then it was midnight. You know, this time of night it's it's not it's not bad to go over there. And she goes, "Well, could we hire you to drive him to Newark?" The, oh, they hired. Yeah. Him. And he goes, "Sure." So I got to Newark and I got to Tulsa. We got to Calgary. And you know what? I don't know if I could have ever pulled any of that off. First, partly because I am a cowboy, I got on the wrong plane, but mostly because I am a rodeo cowboy, I got myself out of that mess. Oh, yeah. Because you, you know all the plan A, plan B, plan C, fallback positions, yes. trying to get to rodeos, and nobody knows how to get around better than a rodeo cowboy. I guarantee you that but is that, the uh, truth. Yeah, I've what never, I, they never let me live that down. What did Mary say? Me. Well, I called Mary from the <laughs> motel. And uh, she goes, I've been trying to call you. Is uh, the bailer, or she was bailing, the bailer broke down. She had a question. She goes, she goes, are you at the motel? I go, yeah, I'm at the motel, Mary, but I'm in New York City. And she goes, oh, my God, did you get hijacked? <laughs> and I said, I wish we'd have got hijacked, Mary. I said, no, I got on the wrong airplane. I think we could, should do a show on every rodeo cowboy, give us their best oh my travel gosh. stories. Because that like was... you said, 
There is always, there's a plan Z. I mean, always, you always figure something you out. You know, the, and the people at the airport in Pasco, they'd know me, they just tortured me every time I came. But they were telling me a story. The one guy said he was working in Seattle one time. This is pretty funny. And this guy, it was Thanksgiving. And he came running down there and he goes, I got to get on that plane. I got to get on that plane. And uh, he was trying to get home for Thanksgiving. And they, so they just grabbed him and they threw him on the plane and shut the door and it took oh, off. Boy. The plane went to Tokyo. <laughs> Oh, he was boy. trying to go to Spokane. <laughs> so, so needless to say, he did not have Thanksgiving with his family. Oh, no. And he, you know, you go there, he didn't have a passport. Oh, he was in back. quarantine. Oh, my yeah. gosh. So I guess I, and the other thing that I lucked out, I flew the right direction. I didn't get, I didn't go to Hawaii, at least went to New York <laughs> City. So I keep thinking I was way smarter than I give myself. Right, up. right. We, did, we cowboys yeah. tend to do that. Yeah. To, all right, let's do some rodeo picks. Tenth go around oh, here at the national finals, crowning the world champion. I mean, Keenan Hayes, Jess it, Pope, uh, Keenan Hayes. It's it's going to be tight right there. I've kind of dug through a little of it. I haven't got through all of it, but the bareback ride that I've dug through, uh, Keenan Hayes, he just needs to make one more ride. You know, he can't stub his toe. Jess Pope right. is right there if he does, and Jess has had a great NFR. But Keenan, he needs to just make sure he marks that horse out. And make the same ride he's made every night. And that's much easier said than done, trust me. If that's all you got to do is make a ride to win a world title. Because these horses they're getting on, they are buckers. And you can't can't sneak by one. You have to be on your, you know, you have to be offense, not defense. So, you know, this will be, if he's got the pressure, I've been watching him every night. And he's handled it really well. Thought last night he looked a a little tentative, but that was, you know, that's, that's maybe maybe helped him get better for tonight. Well, and, so. you know, we talk steer wrestling. Um, I've been in the situation where I just had to throw him down. But yeah. when you when you tell yourself that, you're, you're setting yourself up for failure. Well, and you know, you know, you can't. I, I'm kind of, I know Dalton can't just, it's not a layup for anybody. Right. You know, all these guys are going to have to kind of run at the barrier, which is good. If you have to just run one out there, this arena, you, you can't, you talk about it every night. If you miss the barrier by an inch. You're in, you're in land. All of a sudden, the steer thinks he's going to get away. He does things different. He's going to get you to the back end, yeah. which that changes everything for your horse and your hazer. And so, yeah, you, you've got to just stay on offense. Well, I'm going to say the buckle's going to go to Oregon this year. Well, I hope you're right. Yeah. I hope you're right because it would be fun to see it go to one of those two guys. We haven't had a world champion in, in the steer wrestling in Oregon ever, wow. I don't think. Wow. So and that would be very cool. great great steer wrestlers yeah there's been some great guys come out of there and a lot of close ones but uh uh i can't think of one yeah team roping t wade and wesley thorpe are kind of been they've been dominating here a little bit they have but i think you know there's four or five scenarios in there that could go either way and Derek begay right Derek begay and those guys are sitting right there you know they're number one in the average they they got a free roll at the barrier because they're the only team that are you know good on nine so they can try to be three nothing and uh, if they miss completely, they're not going to fall too far as far as money's concerned. So it's kind of a, it's a free roll for those guys to try to win the round and put the pressure on whoever needs to beat them. Right. Bronk riding. Uh, Bronk riding Zeke Thurston. Zeke Thurston. He, uh, you know, there is a scenario where Sage Newman maybe could get in there, but the Sage's the Achilles heel is he's like seventh in the average. And, he, and that's not that big a deal, but the problem for him is he's, 
five points from six. He's right. 11 points from fit. You know, he's, there's a big gap to get any movement in that average of the guys that are ahead of him. So those guys are all helping Zeke in that position. And, uh, and Zeke looks flawless anyway. Right. You know, he's, he's already rode the Buccaneers of the year the last time he was out. So I don't think there's one in there that he should, should be too worried about. Tie down or open? Tie down or open, uh, Riley Webb. Looks awful solid. Right. Awful solid. Yeah. That you know, Haven's sitting right there if Riley stumbles. But, but you know, Riley, he's not backing off on no. his starts. He's, he's been he, – he's awesome. Yeah. And, you know, again, we talk about a young kid that looks way more mature in this building. That's Riley Webb because he's been preparing for this since he was 13 years old. Yeah, and he came through here last year, you know, and he actually had a great NFR last year. Right. I think he missed one calf or went out uh, on one – but uh, so he kind of knows the whole. He knows the whole scenario, and you know that that guy is just he. He's just fun to watch. You know, you don't. He doesn't look like he should be as dominating as he is, but he will be six on stuff. That, oh yeah, it's crazy to be six seconds in the calf rope, and he does it a lot. A lot. Yes. Yeah. Barrel racing. I mean, that's kind of pretty much sewed up, right? What a there. story! What a story! <laughs> I remember records. I watched Reno, and I watched. I watched her on Benny for the first time, and I told me, I said, Mary, have you, have you seen that horse? And, I mean, she absolutely took off yeah. and set records and won rodeos, and, and good for her. You right. know, you can't help from, to root for, for Brittany. She is, she's had a great career. She's won many world titles, but, but it's been a long time since she's been in this position, and yeah. to see her back is awesome. Bull riding, Kai Hamilton has yeah, obviously. Yeah, Kai Hamilton, that's sewed up. There's a, you know, there is a, there is a big battle in there, I think, for the average. And right. it's, it's more for, it's more for, uh, I'll show you, I think. Right. You know, I think Sage would love to win the average. Yeah. And, uh, and now they're tied, I think, on, uh, no, I think uh, Kai has one more bull than Sage. Bull so up, yeah. if Sage rides and Kai bucks off, Sage has to be like 77 to win the average. Well, it just talking so about there's the a little story there. though, with, with Kai Hamilton. I well, mean, and, you know, they... They packed him out last yeah. night, so he's got to get on two bulls tonight. Oh, the re-ride he gets yeah. on tonight for before. Yeah, huh? if he gets on, wow. he gets on. He'll be the first bull rider out, and then he'll compete on his. So he's got two bulls to get on, and uh, he's definitely been beat up. Well, you know, they talked about after they packed him out the first time. Yes. You know, he went to the hospital, checked him out. You're, this is what's wrong with you while I'm getting on. He rode his first bull that morning, perf, placed one third or fourth. Yeah. Won everything because nobody else rode. And then the next night gets bucked off. And you have to think that the soreness from that first time they took him out is starting to show up. Because you know as well as anybody, when you get banged up, it takes a little while for that adrenaline to wear off, that soreness to to start hitting you. Uh, Hopefully he gets it done again tonight on two bulls. Well, and last night, you know, he definitely got got whacked by a horn a little bit. And he also got a... He didn't get a full blast of a foot on him, but he got a dew claw, and he's got a broken rib. Right. That's really that's what worried me more than anything last night. Yeah, is he's got a broken rib floating around in there, and you don't need a bull stepping on that, you know. Yeah. So, you know, hopefully he's going to be back and and be able to compete at a high enough level to finish this deal out because he has had a great season. It's been so much fun to watch him this week. Yeah, and then the all around race, obviously, that's a tight one. That's uh, yeah, there's that's a lot a, of people <laughs> up for that one, right? Yeah, yeah, Stetson, right. Who knows what he'd accomplish this week if we could have watched him compete. And well, I'm anxious to see him back 100%. Oh, for sure. And I just I think Setson's smart enough to know, even if he starts back at Reno, 
he's probably going to be the all-around champ next year. So I hope he, he understands that and takes care of himself to get healed up how he needs to be. And I think with his folks and, and everybody around him that that's going to be the case. That's the biggest deal, you know. And, and you know, rodeo cowboys are tough. We always talk about how tough guys are, and they, and they are. But they're smart enough to listen to their doctors. And, right. you know, they know how much money's out there and how much is available to win. And you don't want to, you don't want to start out early. You know, you, my theory was I, one time I had a horse – at Ellensburg, bucked me off in the short go, kicked me right in the neck and or right between the shoulder braids, and actually broke a little bone on. I call it the dinosaur bone, but it was, there's a little bone on your backbone that just pokes up. Well, it broke it, and it hurt. I mean, it really hurt. It kind of scared me what happened because I didn't know what. So I went, went and got X-ray, and I go, "Well, what's the deal?" And he goes, "Well, it's just going to hurt like hell." And I said, "Well, in Pendleton's, I've got a good bronc at Pendleton." And I go, well, what will happen if I get on a penalty? He goes, well, it's going to hurt. And I go, well, can I, can, I make, can I do anything to it? And he goes, no. So I competed and, and you know, won a good check at Pendleton, and it did hurt. But I certainly wouldn't have done it if there would have been a chance right. to, you know, to have a bigger injury. And that's the deal. I'll, I, I, we will deal with pain. We'll tape up. We'll deal with a bad knee or right. stuff like that. But if it's, if it's life-threatening or if it's career-ending or if it's, you know, especially when head injuries and stuff like that, you, you pay attention to those and take the time. Well, that's funny. I think that was every question after I'd get hurt and send the MRI to Tandy, and I was like, okay, if I compete, right. can I hurt myself anymore? Well, that's, and that's <laughs> the answer we want, yes. you know, because you don't want to do the wrong thing. Right. But right. I'm not going to not compete just because it hurts. Right, exactly. You know, that's, that's my point. Yeah. Well, Butch, I appreciate you coming on the show. It's, it's been, been great. Yeah, it's been a pleasure working with you the last few years. And like I said, I've learned a lot just from listening to you. Um, again, I can't thank you enough for coming on. So thank you again. For all you folks out there listening, watching, please go to Luke Branquino Show on YouTube. Like and subscribe. Again, if you subscribe, I make money, and that's just how this deal rolls. A uh, big thank you to the Cowboy Channel for letting me Occupy this stage for the Luke Branquino Show, Cowboy Channel Plus. Big thank you to all the fans out there of the show, but more so the fans of rodeo, the committees of rodeo, and everybody that puts something out there. Rodeo trivia question. In a lot of the episodes, we talk about the perf. Uh, what does that mean? A perf is a short, shortened word for performance. So if each rodeo has 10 performances, you're in perf one, perf two, perf three. I don't know why we just shortened it up instead of saying performances because maybe we feel like we talk a lot and need to cut our words down. Before.